The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. But hey, we're talking today, and I I went over on time today, so I'm going to try to keep this brief, but we're talking today about, uh, unless you want to be here till noon. How many want to be here till noon? Anybody? No, okay, one. Um, But we're talking today about what what does it mean to think about uh, pure thoughts and lovely thoughts and commendable thoughts. And this comes out of the passage in Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, uh, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, uh, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And I think we know uh, this truth that there's no easy fixes or a kind of a short route to transformation that we want to see in our lives. And I think the easiest type of transformation that I'm sure all of us are familiar with is the, tr- the transformation of your bodies when you start working out. And uh, how many of you, you're, you're a big workout person. Come on, you're like in the gym every day, all right? How many of you are like, I'm not even off the couch most of the time, okay, right? All right, but, but most, of us, most of us understand that the world of, of working out and transformation of our bodies. And it's interesting because uh, I went to Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma, and part of their, uh, their thinking or their purpose statement was uh, spirit, soul, and body. And so their, their real focus at that university, simple plug, Oklahoma, far away, but I believe one of the best. Um, but... Their whole plug was, uh, man, we want you to grow, you know, your spirit and your soul, but we, specif- we specifically also want you to take care of your bodies as well. And they, and they incorporated that in a part of, uh, you know, our services and our classes, you know, the importance of our bodies and taking care of them. In fact, we were required to do different physical classes and different exercises while attending the university and it's still like that to this day. I'll never forget, in my humanities class, I met uh, this pretty, pretty good-looking dude. I know that sounds kind of funny from a guy. You ever look at a dude, you're like, that's a good-looking dude. Well, this is this guy. His name was Dan. If you think that's weird, I'm so sorry. Um, but this, my buddy Dan, uh, I met him in my humanities class. He sat a couple of seats next to me, and uh, he was a good-looking dude, okay? Like, from all standards, like, a good-looking dude. And, uh, like, 6'2", fully just, like, a workout, nutty, crazy dude. And he was, he was pretty built. I mean, I would call him shredded, abs of steel. Uh, he, was, he was fit, and he, he had a, a good appearance about him. And I don't know why he ever even became friends with me, to be honest with you. I mean, have you looked at me? But anyways, but so he was, he was a cool dude. And so obviously people like that. They're attractional and, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk to them. And so somehow we became buds in the class, maybe because he wanted my notes. I don't know. But anyways, I'll never forget, uh, I started hanging out with Dan around campus. We go to lunch together and uh, we go do stuff together. And uh, you know, keep in mind that Amanda didn't go to the same school as me. So Amanda was 3,000 miles away from me. And so I, was, I wasn't there with Amanda. And so, um, but every time I'd hang out with Dan, for whatever reason, well, I kind of figured it out after a while, for whatever reason, there was always like a group of girls around Dan, you know, wanting to hang out and talk to Dan, which built my ego. And so, uh, I, you know, so I'd be hanging out with Dan and all these girls want to be talking to Dan. And it kind of dawned on me that they didn't care at all to talk to me. They cared more to talk about Dan. So Dan one time came up to me and he said, hey man, 
dude, I, I love hanging out with you, dude. And I, I love that we, you know, we're in humanities together. And uh, he's like, dude, you should be my workout buddy. Like we should be workout buds. And uh, I was like, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever met someone who's like really built and in shape and you're fat? And you're like, uh, no, like I don't want to do this, you know? So it's like, no, man, like you got, you got to work out with me and it'll, it, it'll be awesome. And I'm like, Dan, like, <laughs> dude, like, really? Like, come on, dude. Like, I won't, even, I won't even stand a chance next to you, man. He's like, no, no, dude, I'll show you. I'll show you, you know, different core exercise. I mean, he was using language I never even heard of. And so I'll never forget, we were, I said, all right, man, I'll, I'll work out with you. I'll be, I'll be your workout buddy. So we started going to the gym at the, at the college there in the gym um, and the weight room and all that. We started going there about three times a week. Now, if you've ever experienced this, you know exactly what's about to happen. But um, if you've never worked out for a really long time, <laughs> And then you decide one day, man, I got, I got to take care of my body. Like, this thing matters. I need to go the long run. I got I to take care of this thing. And you get in there, like, you're in for a punishment, okay? And so I, I got punished by this guy, all right? He was doing things to me and showing me things to my body that I never wanted to do ever again. I'll never forget after a week of it, barely being able to move, right? Like, everything hurt. And uh, we were in our second week of it, and, and, or maybe the third week of it, I don't even remember. And I said, dude, Dan, like, bro, I can barely move, man, my arm. He's like, no, dude, you got this. And so we were doing these, you know, arm curls one time, and he's just, I don't know, way more weight than me, just, just killing it. And I just, I dropped my, my dumbbells. I was like, Dan, I was like, dude, I just want to see results. This is like this is like three weeks in, okay? I just want to see results, like, dude, you know. And he just looked at me. I just never forget his face. He's like, pick up the dumb, pick up the dumbbells. You're an, you're an idiot, you know. Like, I just want to see results. And I think if if we're honest about it, I think this is what we feel a lot of times um, with our walks and our and our relationships with Christ is that we just want to see results. Like we just want to see transformation happen. We just, we just want to see a change in our, in our lives. We just want to see something take place in our, in our, in our spiritual lives. And a lot of times we treat our, our walk with Christ and Christianity as a whole and our relationship with God, sometimes we treat it uh, like it's, a, it's a, a workout that only lasts for a few weeks and then the magic can happen. And yet, if, you, if you're a health person or a wellness person, you, you understand, and I understand it now more than ever, that there is no such thing as transformation overnight when it comes to physical health. There's actually a lot of pain and a lot of agony and a lot of difficulty to ever get to a place where you actually feel healthy again. And the same is true with our faith and our growth in Christ. That you and I sit here today and we want to become more and more like Christ. There's not a person in here, unless you're not a believer yet, where you don't walk out of here today and go, man, I want to be more and more like Christ. I want to have more pure thoughts. I want to have more lovely thoughts. I want to have more commendable thoughts. There's not a person in here that wouldn't walk out here and go, yeah, I agree with that. I want that. But how, how we get there is way different than maybe what we could imagine. And sometimes, if I'm honest, I, I want the overnight spiritual transformation. I want that growth to happen a lot faster than when it actually happens. The truth is, is that same with physical transformation, spiritual transformation takes time. 
It takes time. It takes a long time to develop Christ-likeness and character in our lives. And in Philippians today, as we look to Paul here, he, 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 you would think someone like Paul, and we've talked a lot about Paul because he did so much for Christianity, you would think someone like Paul would be a person where, you know, is like Dan, but, but spiritually. You would think like, like someone like Paul is someone who's like, hey, I, I have this all figured out. Man, I've, I've, I've done it. I've, I've experienced it. I'm like a spiritual giant when it comes to what Christ has done. And you think Paul would have that kind of mentality because of what he was able to accomplish for Christianity as a whole. If you don't know this or not, you know it today that the Bible you hold in your hand is because of the Apostle Paul bringing the gospel to Europe, which eventually came to the States. So the, the amount of influence that the Apostle Paul has done for Christianity is unprecedented. And so you would think someone like him would be a person that's like, I got it. Like, I've arrived. And yet he writes today in Philippians 3 some real honesty that I think will apply for all of us today. He says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. God, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for what you've already been doing in this service. I thank you that you're alive in us, Lord. And I thank you, God, just for the power of our minds to think lovely, commendable, pure thoughts. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to still wear, if we don't already, still wear the WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? We want to be like you, Jesus. But God, how we get there, we need to learn that today. And we thank you for it in your good name. Amen. A couple things here I want to just point out on, on this passage. And uh, some of this is going to come from, I mentioned this book a few weeks ago. Uh, it's by Charles Swindoll, uh, older guy now, uh, pastor for years, a book called Laugh Again. And uh, he, he lays out some thoughts about this passage of scripture that I think is great. And so if you're taking notes, I'd write these down, but they'll be on the screen for you too. But Paul twice here in verses 12 and 13 is saying, the plan is progress, not perfection. He, he, he's saying, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. What does what, 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 what he have not obtained? He's talking about Christ's likeness. I, ha, I haven't obtained being like Christ yet. He goes on to say here in um, verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So he, he's talking about how there's progress, progress in his life, that he's on his way towards something, but that he's not arrived yet. And for the Christian, for the believer, for the church at Philippi, the thing we must remember today is that the plan is progress. It's not perfection. In fact, there are no perfect people. Can I hear an amen? And there are no perfect churches. Can I hear an amen? And last but not leastly, for the love of God, there are no perfect pastors. Can I hear an amen? Doesn't exist. I don't exist. 
I have flaws, I have temptations, I sin almost every day, okay? There is no perfect people out there. But what sometimes happens in our lives is we're looking for the dance. We're looking for the people who have it all figured out, who are perfect, who seem to have everything going well for them, and it does not exist. The, the example that Paul says is there should be progress in our lives. The, the Christian term for my theologian friends is sanctification. There should be an ongoing transformation of my life the longer I serve Jesus Christ. Here's, here's an example. If, and I, I, this is a simple one. If you work in a secular job and you've worked that for years, and it may, let's say, let's just use, for example, let's use construction. Okay, I've done construction. A lot of us in the room do construction or work. Okay, a lot of times in construction, language is not the best. Okay, a lot of guys have what we call the potty mouth. All right, and so if you're around that and you work in that and you've lived in that and you've grown up in that, and furthermore, if your family was like that and your parents were like that and your distant relatives and extended family, everybody just talked like that, what's gonna happen? You will talk like that. It's just what happens. But when you put your faith in Christ and you find him as your Lord and Savior, do you think that overnight you just stop talking like that? It doesn't happen. I mean, sure, that can happen. God can do something mighty and just boom, your vocabulary completely changes and you never drop that, you know, whatever word ever again. But over time, there's progress. Over time, you start realizing, man, these guys and gals I work with, they got some filthy mouths. My, my mouth's filthy and I need it to change. I mean, that, that you learn that over time. It's progress. You learn how to talk and bring your tongue into the alignment of Christ over time. It's, it's, it's progress. And I think the encouragement I want you to hear today is that if you can look back on your life from when you said yes to Christ to now, and if there's been any progress at all, you should be of good courage today. Like, you shouldn't walk out of here with any guilt or shame or feeling like, you know, you have all this more work to do. You should walk out encouraged today knowing, hey, I, I'm, I've become more and more like Christ. You know, I, I, I'm, I was a really impatient person. I never liked waiting for anybody. Now I picked the long line at the grocery store. I mean, whatever, you know, there's progress. I, I've made progress in my life. God's, God has done a work in my life not, not over a day, not over a week, but, but over years, over, over decades of, of God shaping and molding my life and my character to where I can look at my life a year ago, 10 years, five, two months, whatever, and go, I'm not that same person anymore. There, there's been progress. So you want to, I want you to be of good courage. You, you're on the right track. It's interesting because he also says, in verse 13, the past is over. I think this is so important. The past is over. And he uses in the, in this athlete running analogy because he knows the games are going on in uh, this region. And so he's talking about an athlete and, and running. And again, I've talked about my passion for running. And I've done a few different races and I've enjoyed it. And there's a marathon in me someday here in my future. But the, he, ta he talks about this idea of running. And what he says here is he says, 
I do not consider, okay, he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I, I've shared about this before, that in, in running, there's a lot of joy when you pass somebody in running. There's a lot of joy. In fact, you want to like whisper in their ear, eat my dust. You know, like there's a lot of joy in it, okay? And a lot of pride and encouragement that builds up when you're beating that person, you know, that, that is slower than you. And you're like, yeah, I'll see you at the finish line. You know what I mean? So there is that. But what Paul, what Paul is saying, that's a fleshy idea, but what Paul is saying is that I'm running so ahead, I'm running so forward to what God has for me that I don't even have time to look back and talk smack to my buddy or sister. I'm straining forward to what God is, wants to do in my life. I'm not even worried about who's behind me. I'm not worried about that past. Now I'll give you, I'll give you to the flip side because I've done races, okay? As much as you pass that person and you feel prideful and arrogant that you passed them, someone twice your age my age, is passing me. And that humbles you like no other. It's like, that, does that guy even have a heartbeat? And he's passing me, right? Like, okay, so, so that'll, just, that'll just pummel all your pride when someone 80 years old is passing you and saying, good job, kid. You know what I mean? So it, it works both ways. But he's saying, I forget what lies behind. I forget what is behind me. And one of the worst traps that we can fall into as Christ followers is reliving the past, even if it's good, or even worse, reliving the past, even if it's bad. Let me, let me take both, for example, and I'll take it into the Christian world because a lot of us in here are Christians. Oh, man. Oh, I remember when God, huh, when, do you remember when God in 95, do you remember in 1970, do you, oh, when God did that, oh, when God did that, oh, when God, oh, man, gosh, if it was only 2002 when we were at that church and that, oh, man, God was so good back then, what he did, oh, and we do this all the time. Man, if we just had longer worship, if we just had better sermons, we had just deeper, small group. Remember our small group at that one church? Man, that one was so good. Our small group sucks now, right? <laughs> we do this all the time in church world. Gosh, if we would just sing more winds of worship, if we would just sing more Hillsong, if we would just sing more Red, more Bethel, whatever. And we do this so much when it, when it comes to our experience with Christ as we look back on the glory days. And I feel like God would say, man, what about what I want to do right here, right now? What about the God who says, I am right here? What is God saying and doing right now? So that's the good example. The other example is the worser one, obviously, where you you live in the past of, of a failure, right? I mean, you live in the past of a, of a broken relationship. You live in the past of a, of a mindset. You live in the past of something that continues to haunt you. You, you, you hear the verses that God's grace is sufficient for you. You hear the verses that his mercies are new every day. You hear the verses that you've been forgiven, but yet for whatever reason, you can't forgive yourself or that person and you live in that destructive mindset. He says, I press on. I forget. I forget. I forget. It's not there. I'm pressing on. This pressing on 
reminds us here that the future holds out hope and he's calling us to reach for it. There's things to accomplish. There's goals to achieve. There's things in our hearts that God wants to do today and tomorrow and in our future. And he's reminding us that there is a hope for the future. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on towards that and I see that there's hope and there's things in my heart I feel like God is wanting to do in my life and there's things and places to go and people to see and there's desires in my heart that I want to accomplish and there's hope for that and there's future for that. It's, it's this opportunity for you and I to believe that there's hope for our future, but it's also the opportunity to believe for others' hope and their future. I always think of this example, whenever you meet a, a young person or even an older person and they have, they have a dream, they have, they have something that's in their heart, something that God's calling them to do. They wanna go to this college. They wanna major in this study. They wanna accomplish this. They wanna have their own business. They wanna buy their first home. They wanna, and for some of us in the room, you know, you hear what they wanna do. You hear the desires of their hearts and you go, well, you know, have you, have you, have you, have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? And, and have, you, have you done this? And did you check this box? And did you think this and this? And, oh, you know, and, and you know what that does to someone who's got hope and excitement? It just squashes it. It just shuts them down, you know? It's like all they can think about is all your questions of interrogation of what they had in their heart, and now they don't want to do anything. Then there's the person who's like, man, I, I feel like I want to have a business. I feel like I want to do this, and I feel like I want to do that. And there's the person who goes, you want to do that? That's in your heart? Man, God, God put that in your heart to do that. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you to do that. I'll be your biggest cheerleader if you want to accomplish that. You want to do what? Oh man, that sounds amazing. Go for it. I'm right there with you. There's hope. I think, I think I'm sure I'll do this with my kids as I get older, but as your kids have dreams, I'm sure it's probably the hardest thing as a parent to do. I'm not there yet. For your, your, your kid to have something in their heart and something that they desire, and as a parent, you're like, Oh God, please don't do that. You know, don't, don't squash him, but please don't date that guy anymore. Right, whatever, I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's probably some of that as a parent that we feel. And yet, man, I feel like God would say, hey, why don't you let me be the God and Lord of your children's life and let them be led by me? Whew, that was for somebody today. All right, the last thing he says is a secret is a determined attitude. Paul says, this is what maturity and progress looks like for the believer in Christ. It's, it's, this, it's a determined attitude. And he's very gracious about this. And I love, how grace, I love how grace-filled Paul is here. And I want you to catch this. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise... And if in you anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You know what he's saying? There's people in the room right here that have a mature faith and a determined attitude and have stood the course over time. There's people in the room like that. Your, your faith is mature. It's been tested by fire. It's been proven worthy. And you have a determined steadfastness about you. 
And what he's saying is this. For those who are mature, continue to think this way. And if you don't think this way yet, that's okay. If that maturity hasn't happened yet, that's okay. If you're not quite there yet, that's okay. God will reveal it to you. See, I love that. It doesn't say that the mature people are going to, oh, you, you, you know, you, he says God will reveal that kind of level of attitude and growth in your life. He, he will show you where you should go, what you should do, and how you should accomplish it. He'll reveal that to you in time if you stay steadfast and walk with him. See, being refined isn't fun, but it's so necessary. It says in 1 Peter 6 through 7, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let me pray for you today. God, I thank you so much that you don't even ask or look for perfection. You, you, don't, you don't ask us to come, God, all put together and all pretty and nice, God. You just ask us to come as we are in submission to your guidance and your love. And you will do the work in our lives. And so I thank you, God, for people in the room where there's been progress in their life. They, they've seen you do things. They've seen you over time work in their lives. I pray they would continue to be steadfast in that today. I, pr I pray for people in the room here today who maybe, Lord, continue to live in the past or dwell on what could have been, or I wish I could have done that. I pray, God, they would forget it. It's over. It's done. You've been forgiven. You're new in Christ. Yesterday is gone. Today, all things become new. I thank you, God, that there's hope for the future, that the dreams and the desires of our hearts and the things that we long for and pray for and the things that you've put in our hearts, God, we will do, we will see. Because you remind us just a few verses later, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I thank you for that determined attitude, Lord. An unwavering faith, a trust in your goodness, a trust in your grace. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.